Good evening and welcome to Point of View. I'm Chris Berg. Thank you so much for joining us. Be sure and stay with us because coming up here in just a few moments, I've got a very interesting conversation with the president of the North Dakota Long-Term Care Association, Shelly Peterson. And we talk about uh, what's currently happening right now in our long-term care facilities, increased number of deaths, disproportionate number of deaths due to COVID. And obviously, what is she doing to help uh, mitigate and possibly even eradicate that? So please stay with us for that. I want to start here earlier today that Governor Doug Burgum and the legislative leaders held their COVID conference and talked about a myriad of things. Um, some some really, really sad news that came out of a meeting today. Some of the data regarding COVID is that North Dakota lost their first young person uh, between the ages of 10 to 19. It was a young woman out of Montreal County. So for her family and, and really everybody right now that's dealing with COVID in one way or another, Please pray for them. Let's be praying for our nation, praying for our different communities, our states, because we know these are very, very challenging times, creating a lot of uncertainty. And just know that together we are going to overcome. We are going to get through this. Uh, now, speaking of COVID, recently the North Dakota Department of Commerce, as well as other state agencies, they actually um, did a survey to ask you about the impact that COVID is having on people's lives. So it was over 11,300 North Dakotans responded to the survey. So, you know, pretty good number of people there to look at. And they talked about, as you can see here, reported social distancing. It says that 56% of the people are uh, most of the time doing that and they're only leaving their house. This is important, what they're seeing here. They're only leaving their home to buy food and to do other essential errands. Now, I bring this up because the other thing that came out of the survey, which I think is, I think we knew this, but still important to take a look at because of the ancillary impacts, um, the unintended consequences of lockdowns and wearing the mask and this COVID situation. You can see here, uh, almost 68% of the people surveyed, almost 68% of the people surveyed so that they've seen an increase in mental health struggles, including depression or anxiety. You've got almost 67% of people that losing their job, not knowing where to turn, We've got an increase in food insecurity. So I go back to, again, let's be praying for each other. Let's be kind to each other and know that together we are going to overcome this incredible challenge that we face right now as a state and a country. So uh, with the increased mental health awareness, we've talked about this story several times. We got an email. This is before the news came out today about the young girl that we lost in Montreal County. So I just want to preface that with what I'm going to share with you, but I got an interesting email that I want to share with you, another point of view from a viewer about, again, these sort of unintended consequences of what's happened with these lockdowns and this COVID situation. So this person shared this. Again, we got this before the news today from the Montreal County girl, but according to the Department of Health, we had not lost a person when this person emailed this uh, that was under the age of 19. But he goes on to say, look, what I want to look at is the fact that when we've reported on this, the eight-year-old girl that committed suicide because of the stresses of COVID, and he says, hey, her death was absolutely caused by COVID. Why are we not keeping better, better track of that? What can we be doing to get a better idea of what's happening here with sort of the unintended consequences of these breakdowns? And then this person goes on to talk about, you know, the underlying things that can happen for people that are over 50, um, and some of the data here. So you can you can see that. I just left it up for a little bit longer so you can take a get a chance to read that. But um, we'd love to know your thoughts and what you see there with the fact that you've got such a high percentage of people that are saying, hey, you know what, I'm having a real challenge now with mental health issues because 
of how myself, my family, others are dealing with COVID. And, and most importantly, what would you like to see us do about it? You know, what can we be doing to, to reach out to people? Tomorrow, we've got a great interview with Catherine Burgum, our first lady of North Dakota, talking about her recovery reinvented program, but also uh, mental health issues there as well. Speaking of some of the mental health challenges, you and I all know that we've got loved ones right now in some long-term care facilities. Uh, it's been challenging to go see them. Many people in the long-term care facilities, obviously, you know, having struggles with loneliness. We're dealing with not being able to see these people that we love and care about. Again, another very difficult challenge due to COVID. So there was a, a piece in the paper recently about uh, one of the long-term care facilities in Botno. It, it's seen an increased number of deaths. I mentioned at the top of the show, we've got a disproportionate number of deaths um, that are happening in that older demographic due to COVID, which I think we've seen that pattern really across the country. But I want to sit down with the president of the North Dakota Long-Term Care Association, Shelley Peterson, just to find out, you know, why is this happening and what can we do to help stop it? So here's a really interesting conversation with Shelley Peterson. Shelly, welcome to Point of View. It's great to have you. The long-term care conversation regarding COVID um, seems to have a lot of moving parts. There was an article recently in the forum where a Botano long-term care facility had suffered uh, eight deaths due to COVID. According to the Department of Health, 153 COVID-related deaths in nursing homes since the start of this pandemic, more than half of the total 264, at least at this you know recording of this article, that we've had in North Dakota. What's happening in the nursing homes that is just so so much more prevalent there than in other areas and demographics? Well, I don't, it's prevalent because we're caring for a very vulnerable population. So the, the risk factors that we have is we're in a congregate setting and anytime you have a pandemic and you're in a congregate setting because of the living quarters and the close quarters, the risk of infection is greater. So that's one issue. Plus, we also have our average age is over the age of 85. So age is a factor in, in COVID-19. And so it's just the living environment that we're in and the population that we're caring for is making us very vulnerable. Uh, we're, we're seeing in some of our older facilities, and we have a number of older facilities, is our HVAC system. Is there something in our heating and cooling system that is making the virus um, be able to spread more within the facility. And so they're, um, they're now announcing this morning grants to facilities um, to look at um, air purification systems so that we can fight this. You know, so is it something in our environment that is causing greater harm? And so um, this is going to be a, a grant fund for all our basic care facilities and all our nursing facilities. We just sent it out. They're gonna to try to get the funds out very fast and hopefully then the installation of greater purification systems so we can fight the virus in the facility and the physical plant. We've been doing deep cleaning. We've had companies come in, um, but this is another line of defense to help us. The other thing is just screening our staff. Um, when they come into the facility, we screen every staff, every shift for the symptoms because half the individuals that are getting the virus in North Dakota are asymptomatic. So you don't know if you're a carrier of the virus and that's what makes it so scary is you can feel absolutely perfectly fine and you're a carrier of the virus or you're infected yourself, you're not having any symptoms and you may be spreading it. Um, so it's, it's, you know, we feel like we're fighting a ghost sometimes. It's, you don't know where it's at and you're, you're doing everything possible to clean your facilities. Now we'll get the purification systems, uh, screening of staff, screening of residents, 
we have visitors coming in now. So it's just, you know, anytime you have contact, there's an opportunity for the virus to get in. So I know Governor Burgum's talked about some of these newer tests where it sounds like it's going to be 15 minutes where you can determine if someone's positive or not. I mean, do you feel like, hey, maybe we should shut down all visitors right now until we get these new tests? How fast can we get these tests in North Dakota? I mean, I agree. Out of, the, yep, out of 200, uh, we have about 25% of the facilities have received the Binax now. Mach uh, they're not machines, they're little tests. They're absolutely awesome. We have a tactical, tactical call today and we're going to go through the process and procedures of using those tests. The manufacturer has provided some training. The state is going to get out some more supplies to two facilities. But the thing that is awesome about that is they're to be used on people that have symptoms. So remember, it's just for symptoms only at this point in time, following the manufacturer's guidelines. And so we'll be able to test right away any resident that is that shows a symptom will test them and then we'll get the results within the facility right away that will be a lifesaver because what's happening now is we're testing we're, we're testing anywhere from twice a week to three times twice a week to once a week to um, because of the outbreaks that are occurring and it's still taking us a while to get test results from the state lab they're working really hard but running you know six seven thousand lab tests and the vast majority of them are from long-term care um, the results are, are are not in 15 minutes as these now by next now machines. The issue with that, though, is those are supposed to be used on symptomatic individuals. So we still have a whole bunch of people that are asymptomatic. So what do we do here? Because, you know, over half the deaths are in these nursing homes. Um, and as you're saying, it's like chasing a ghost via asymptomatic people. What What's your solution to prevent from losing these people? And is some of it just... Like you said, they're, they're over 85, but some of it's just kind of the cycle of life. Well, we're, we're hoping our number one priority is to keep people safe, to keep people alive and reunite them with their families. We're not giving up, even though we have a very vulnerable population. And so number one and key is keeping the virus out of our buildings, finding out as soon as possible when the virus is in there, which means someone is infected, that they that they go home if they're a staff person and if they're a, uh, one of our residents, that they're isolated and cared for within that environment. So if, if you're a staff person in nursing home right now and you test positive, is there some kind of uh, extra pay for you? I mean, is the state helping help with that or what's the situation? Because obviously these people, many of them, I'm presuming they, they need the work. They want to be there. Yeah. Um, uh, if you're a staff person right now and you test positive, you go home. So you're right. already you're out of the workforce. Many facilities um, are trying to to use um, sick leave benefits to help support them at home because we don't we can't have anyone coming to work who has any symptoms who or who is sick. Um, facilities, a number of them have done um, what they term appreciation pay, appreciation pay for coming for day in and day out, picking up extra shifts, caring for this vulnerable population, wearing PPE all day where you go home soaking wet. I mean, it, it, it's you're hot, you're tired, you're working extra shifts, and you're coming back. I mean, we have a very dedicated workforce, but you're right, when they're sick, we need to have them stay home. And that's then we're really recruiting employees now because we have people that are out because they have COVID. We have people that are out because they're they have symptoms. You know, maybe it's they have an allergy, but we don't know that it's an allergy. We don't know that they have they right. have the virus, so they're staying home. As well as then people are out because they're a close personal 
contact their family, a family member has been infected and they've been around them. So we don't want them bringing the virus in. So we have a number of employees, but um, we can't do it without our workforce. We cannot do it. And we need to um, show the appreciation and many facilities are trying to do that within their financial ability. Amen. Thank you to everybody that's working in these long-term care facilities. I know it's challenging. One last question for you, Shelly, and that is the other thing that you mentioned um, in this article, because I've got a, a granddad in one of these facilities. You said, hey, at this point, it seems everyone's having their turn. It's not if you're going to get it, it's when you get it. So you made it sound like, hey, we're doing the best we can, but but everybody's going to end up with COVID. Is that a fair assessment? Well, uh, I, I believe it is. What we're finding is when there's an outbreak in the community, in the surrounding community, then our numbers go up instantaneously with that community outbreak. So, um, so as each North Dakota community feels an outbreak, we're feeling it with them. And so it's, um, it's spreading and it's spreading within communities and then it gets into our community. So yes, to me, it is a matter of time. I know in March, I that's when I initially made that statement. And, you know, everyone was hoping that they weren't going to be the first one to have a person that had COVID-19. And now it's literally, we recently asked the numbers out of our 200 and I think we're at 217 facilities, how many have not had a COVID infection? And we're waiting for that data now. But literally it's, um, and then, but we're also seeing very, um, you know, facilities are working when that infection is in there they're working very hard to keep it out and we have seen facilities that have successfully been able to stop the spread mm -hmm. so that's amazing and it really is the diligence of working night and day uh, wearing ppe um, not letting down at all monitoring anyone that's coming into a facility for symptoms sending people home that have any symptoms it's just being diligent 24 7. When I look at the data and how this demographic seems to be disproportionately impacted, two things quickly for you, if you don't mind, is that one, is the state doing enough to put enough resources in place to protect this demographic? You know, we're working very, um, very closely with the state, very hard with the state. I know early on they made testing available. North Dakota was one of the leaders in saying right away, testing is one of the solutions and it certainly has proven to be. So yes, the state has said long-term care is a priority for testing. Uh, we're still having some issues with the length of, of when we get the results, but we're working close with the, the state lab. And I think I think we all finally have the, the right process down to make sure results can get out within maybe not 24 hours, but 36 hours. So that's that's working well. The state also has a mass state cache of all kinds of medical supplies. That has been um, an unbelievable great resource. And I feel the state has been working uh, with us, bringing solutions to the table. And most recently the grant program this morning on the air purification system. So no, I, I, I can't point any fingers at anybody. Everyone is trying to come up with the best solutions as quickly as we can. If there's one thing you could ask from the state right now, what would it be? One thing, only one thing. Well, I got one. I got one, that, that one thing you think would make the biggest impact. Yeah, you know, it's it's um, the testing, the, getting the tests out there within that 36 hours yeah. and just the tracking of the tests. You know, you think of a state lab that used to do, what, maybe a couple hundred tests a month, now doing 6,000, 7,000, 8,000 a day. So they have really had to gear up um, and, and they have proven that they are committed to that. So I guess I, I, I don't have much of an ask because they've been at the table doing it. Wow. 
Shelly Peterson, thank you so much for the time. We'd love to have you back. I know there's going to be a lot more conversations to be had. President, North Dakota Long-Term Care Association, thank you. I know you've been busy, but please keep up the great work, okay? Thank you very much, Chris. We appreciate it. Thank you. All right, stay with us. we got a lot more coming up here on Point of View. As always, we'd love to know your point of view. We heard there from Shelly Peterson. You can email us. You can text us. You can leave us a voicemail. We'll be right back.